0: Major League Soccer is the highest level of professional football in the United States and Canada. Us British have always been quick to dismiss or even mock soccer in the US, calling the MLS a retirement league, particularly given clubs' willingness to spend boatloads of cash on notable players well past their prime. Dearest American listener, on behalf of my nation, I am deeply sorry. My eyes have been opened to the wealth of interesting clubs and rivalries, Marquee signings who light up the league with their touch of class and quirkiness of trades, drafts and allocations. Today, we present to you an 11 characterising the eclecticism and incongruity of
1: MLS football rosters. Ben, hello. <laughs> eclecticism and incongruity on a football podcast, that has to be a first yeah, I'm, I'm delighted to be here talking about this league. Um, I suppose my love affair with the MLS started on video games like FIFA, where it was kind of fun to take on an unusual roster across the world and, and all the quirks and oddities of major league soccer. But I, I, I'm i excited to talk about it as well today, because obviously as a podcast, we pick out nostalgic and obscure footballers and go into maybe too much, much depth about them and this research has brought up that there have been some transfers to the mls that i had no idea about some players that are just etched in the back of my mind somewhere that i've been able to dig up as part of this research it, it really is such an exciting league to look into
0: absolutely and today we're playing a 4231 picking up on some of these names that perhaps aren't the very, very best that the league has to offer. Obviously, they have the All-Stars game at the end of each season where they take on a, an illustrious opponent and compile the league's best. An idea that I really wish we had here in Europe. Hmm. Uh, but no, we've called this the MLS All-Sorts Eleven. So <laughs> players who perhaps slipped through the net a little bit, we didn't realise played in the league, or maybe are the best players, but we just wanted to raise
1: awareness of their abilities. Yes, get in touch with us at 11pod. It's the word, not the number. Any players you want to submit into our All Sorts 11. We're all ears. America and goalkeepers has always gone hand in hand. I mean, in the Premier League, we've had Casey Keller. We've had Brad Guzan, Brad Friedel. Um, Who have you gone for in this MLS All Sorts 11, Arthur? Well, I wanted to pick up on another quirk, I feel, of the
0: MLS, which is the concept of MLS pool goalkeepers. Have you heard of that?
1: No, no, I haven't heard of that.
0: So essentially, it's a replacement for emergency transfer signings. The MLS has a set of emergency goalkeepers who are signed to a contract with the league and then loaned to teams during emergencies. So it's very much the, the, the replacement for that emergency signing. Uh, and I wanted to pick up on one of these pool goalkeepers in particular, Tim Melia.
1: <laughs> I, I don't think I recognise that.
0: No, I, I don't think I did either. But he's actually built up a brilliant career in the MLS after having been a pool goalkeeper. Essentially, he had a bit of a stop-start career at clubs including Real Salt Lake and Chivas. And then he became a pool goalkeeper in 2014, during which he signed for Sporting Kansas City, FC Dallas and DC United, none of which he made an appearance for. So he was clearly a great guy behind the scenes because he then signed permanently for Sporting Kansas City and he went on to make 202 appearances for them and counting, he's now 35 years old. Um, for his breakthrough efforts, he ousted Lewis Marin in 2015 as their starting goalkeeper. And in that first season, he was named MLS Comeback Player of the Year. I, I really like the idea of a Comeback Player of the Year. I like who, who might we see in today's game? I guess people like Christian Eriksen
1: coming back. Yeah, from his- that would be the ultimate shout. But it seems very American, doesn't it, to give awards for slightly obscure achievements. It is, but it also it also
0: lords players who've had really bad situations before them, i.e., mm. terrible runs of form or horrific injuries, and 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 there they are
1: fighting at the very top again. Yeah, it's, that's a cool story actually about Tim Melia. I mean, was he ever rumored with a, a move over to Europe?
0: I don't think really he was considered amongst that bastion of great american goalkeepers like casey keller and brad friedel tim howard and brad guzan as well america just has a brilliant history in that position but no i don't think melio really was ever rumored with it despite the fact that he was just one of the very very best goalkeepers in the mls at one stage following the 2017 season where he conceded a record low 0.78 goals per game uh, he was named MLS Goalkeeper of the Year in that year, and he earned a spot in the MLS Best Eleven, um, having also won a particular favourite trophy of ours, Ben, the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup,
1: uh, <laughs> famously won by Roger Espinoza, of course,
0: absolutely two times, two oh, times. Yeah. Let's not um, forget. So yeah, I, I I wanted to bring Tim Melia to the attention of our listeners simply to to bring up this brilliant idea of, of the pool goalkeeper. It's now been kind of moved out in recent years. The league has that is called extreme hardship, which is essentially the emergency signing. Yeah, that's a very American way of
1: saying it. Yeah, it certainly is. I'm just trying to think if we had this pool goalkeeper kind of vibe in the UK, who would be on that list? I'm imagining players like Matt Jilks. Yes. Maybe Mike Taylor. I can imagine him as a a pool goalkeeper. Paul Richubka, that kind of name. (laughs) Paul Richubka, he would definitely be a pool goalkeeper. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, love that. Left back, Ben.
0: I have gone for
1: Lee Young-pyo. Lee Young-pyo played in the MLS? Yeah, I had no idea about this one. As soon as I saw the name, I thought he has to be in this All Sorts eleven. Um, An underappreciated left-back, in my opinion. He made over 100 caps for his country, 93 appearances for Tottenham. And his former manager, Martin Yol, once called him the best left-back in Holland during his time at PSV. Um, Which is a bit of a bizarre thing to say, but I don't know about you. I I think he was quite a good player, Lee Umpio. Yeah, I would
0: completely agree. He uh, played a lot in the Premier League. To play at the highest level in this country, you've got to be a pretty good player. So I think that's a pretty decent analysis of his time at PSV, to be fair.
1: I think in on a lower level to the likes of David Beckham, Lee Young-Pyo's career and his time at the MLS is very much the kind of typical story that we think of as Brits, i.e. he went to the MLS in the twilight of his career. Uh, and, and an interesting twilight it was. He spent one and a half years at al Hillal. Um, he cited that move was encouraged by the word of God. He's a, a deeply religious person. Um, but ultimately, he switched allegiances for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Um, he signed in 2011, age 34, but made an immediate impact. He was awarded their 2012 Player of the Year awards, and he helped Vancouver Whitecaps become the first Canadian team to reach the MLS playoffs. Despite playing most of his career as a left back, he was right footed. Uh, and so Vancouver quite often used him at right back um, and made use, I suppose, of his phenomenal crossing ability that we, we probably didn't see as much as we should have done at Tottenham. And my research has taken me to discover how nice the Vancouver Whitecaps sound as a team. They have multiple fan support groups, including those for LGBTQ+. um, Those who can't get to the games, there's a special fan support group for those who watch from their couch. They have fan groups on FIFA. And their um, prawn sandwich brigade, if you like, um, as UK fans, that's what we call it, are called the prawn Siders. Um, they've actually named that part of their stadium. That's
0: incredible. I definitely want to get to a Vancouver Whitecaps game. Can we do an 11 road
1: trip I over there? I'd bloody love to go to Vancouver. I just feel like they're a very forward-thinking club by the sounds of it, but also must have an incredibly committed support. One of the things about the MLS is this: there's this vast expanse, obviously, across America and Canada. Um, and I was intrigued to find that I, I believe Vancouver's away trip to into Miami each year is the longest away trip in the MLS. How many hours do you think it would take to make the round trip from Vancouver to Miami and back by car? By car. Wow.
0: Round trip, 29 hours.
1: 102 hours. <laughs> so I know. far out. Can you imagine going with the lads for a few tinnies from Vancouver to Miami to watch the game? It's a pretty big
0: commitment. Yeah. So as listeners will likely know by now, we always have one position on this 11 that's up for grabs. So we get various nominations in from listeners of the show and others alike. Today, that is centre-back. So we'll be hearing a little bit later who those nominations are. In the meantime, Ben, I think you've
1: got the other one. I do. So whoever wins that poll on Twitter will be paired with Ronald Zubar. (laughs) Ronald Zubar. Yeah. What a guy. What a guy. You might remember him from his time at Wolves. Um, A six-foot-two behemoth. He was strong and quick. Um, And he was incredibly promising in his youth. Um, He starred for Cayenne, maybe uh, mainly at centre-defensive midfield, in their rise from the French second division up to Ligue 1. Um, And it was around this time that he broke into the French under-21s and became courted by Marseille. Once he'd signed for Marseille, um, he was moved to centre-back and he struggled. Uh, He was heavily criticised by fans for defensive errors Uh, And he missed the vital penalty in the French Cup final in 2007. So by the time he signed for Wolves, really, he was looking for an out and somewhere to improve the fortunes of his career. He was brought in uh, to a club battling relegation in the Premier League, um, and he would often play as a right back. Um, obviously he had an awful lot of defending to do during that time. So it really tested his confidence. But largely, from what I can read online, fans seem to like him. Um, I don't think they saw him as the most talented footballer in their roster, but certainly one that was likeable and always gave his all. Arguably, however, the most successful spell of his career and the reason he's made this MLS All Sorts um, came uh, between 2015 and 2016, when he signed for New York Red Bulls. This is an interesting team, um, really because of their sponsorship deal and their ownership from Red Bull. Um, Obviously, it's a franchise. It includes Salzburg, Leipzig. Who next, Arthur? It could be Red Bull Grimsby. We never know. But certainly, Red Bull's influence on football is growing. um, And this is probably one of the most noteworthy teams. I think in the MLS... A lot of the players that spring to mind for us as Brits have probably had a spell at this club. Thierry Henry, Sean Wright-Phillips and his brother Bradley, Juan Pablo Angel. Um, this is a very much one of the sort of glitz and glam MLS sides, really. Um, and so it's important to remember that. And, and Zubar was, was right at centre-back in the heart of their defence. In Zubar's first season, uh, he helped Red Bulls to a conference title Uh, And that was under new Leeds manager, Jesse Marsh. He made 17 appearances at centre-back that year, scoring twice. Uh, And in his second season, he actually delivered another conference title. So it was a really successful period that Zubar was there for. The fans loved him, um, not least because he scored in the Hudson River derby. Um, And he loved his time in the US, saying, the MLS has nothing to envy at some European championships. Sincerely. I did not waste my time. And actually, in a lot of the interviews that I've read from these obscure players talking about their time there, they always comment on how tough the league is and the fact that perhaps this British reputation, that it's almost a league that you retire into, a retirement home, is really not true.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really fair point. And Zubar actually is one that I have quite fond memories of from when he was in the Premier League. I thought he was a decent (laughs) defender. I don't quite know... Why he had this reputation, perhaps it sort of springs from that Marseille cloud that he left under. I also find it very interesting that he has, apparently, according to Wikipedia, a call up for the Guadeloupe national team, but no appearance, which I found a bit bizarre. Considering this is a player who played for French youth teams and France, I mean, yes, he was kept out of their national side, but you imagine that would be a bit of a step up for a player from Guadeloupe.
1: Yeah, I noticed that and I was surprised too. I mean, I, I did happen to research other Guadeloupian players and the only one I found that I'd heard of was Dimitri Fulquier, the ex-Watford right back. Um, so uh, unless maybe Fulquier was keeping Zubar out of the Guadeloupe national team, in which case that would, really would be an indictment of his career. Unbelievable.
0: I'm pleased you brought New York Red Bulls into this eleven. Very interesting side. There's a rivalry with another franchise, really, in New York City, part of the City Group. So it's an interesting clash between two very, very big organizations in one city.
1: Totally. So right back, Arthur. Who have you gone for? Rod Fanny. <laughs> One of my favourite names in football, it must be said. Good old Rod. We haven't had him in a team yet, and that surprises me.
0: We've been looking for uh, every opportunity to to bring him into the fold, and here it is. And I actually really like the idea of him and Ronald Zubar lining up alongside each other, given Rod Fanny, for much of his career outside the MLS, was a right-back, and he played at centre-back for Montreal Impact. So... I find the versatility between those two ability to play right back or center back pretty crucial. I think to this 11. Yeah. Um, Rod was signed when 36, which really does propagate the idea of European footballers kind of putting themselves out to pasture in the MLS. Mm -hmm. Um, But he backed that up by playing 90 minutes and keeping a clean sheet, despite not having played for 10 months and only 12 days after signing. Uh, he played against Toronto. He managed to keep Josie Altador and Giovinco at bay, uh, two absolutely quality strikers. I think Giovinco was a bit of a watershed moment in my mind in the MLS. This was a player who, in his absolute prime, playing for Italy, one of the best attacking midfielders in the world, I would say, signs in the MLS, becomes probably the highest paid player in history in the MLS. Um, And I thought that was a a sort of changing of the guard moment. Rod Fanny was solid in his first season, but sadly, Impact chose not to extend his contract due to strong competition at centre-back. Injuries, however, brought him back into the fold under the management of countryman Thierry Henry in 2020 uh, before he retired at the end of that season. He accumulated only five caps internationally, despite the fact that, At Marseille, he had an incredibly successful career in France. He won the Trophy de Champion in 2011 and the Coupe de la Ligue in 2011 and 12 with Marseille and was twice named in Ligue 1 team of the season with Rennes in 2009 and 10. And I just felt he was an immensely successful right back, but he was kept at bay playing second fiddle to Bakary Sanya, which is kind of understandable. Sanya, a very successful defender in his own right, I just found it quite funny, therefore, that he played at Montreal at the same time as Sanya. That meant that despite Fanny playing the majority of his career at right-back, he was deployed in the middle at impact. And that meant that the two could finally play alongside each other rather than compete. And together, despite the fact that they were pretty old, they were an incredibly successful pairing at the back for Montreal. They improved their defence markedly. I also thought the inclusion of Rod Fanny in eleven gave a really good opportunity to crack out some of the great footballing names. Uh, I think you've brought a couple up before, I think so. but I don't know which ones you brought up, so I'm going I'm to say a few. Mirko Dickout. <laughs> a former Frankfurt and Bochum defender. Um, we also have former Aris Thessaloniki midfielder, Juan Todger.
2: The then shit. there's
0: uh then there's 61 cap Paraguay International and two World Cup appearance, cheeky ass. <laughs> In fairness, that one's probably pronounced Arche, but anyway. <laughs> and then there's Fabian Assman. <laughs> I think Fabian uh, Assman
1: might have been the one that you uh you drew our attention to I before. Just, it's so immature, but I love <laughs> it and I can't get enough. You're an Ass man. I'm an Ass man. That's right. Rod Fanny, I I never knew he played for the MLS, but for me, that's a great pick. He encapsulates what we mean by all sorts. He is kind of that random player that people know about. who's actually had a reasonable, pardon the pun, impact during his time in the MLS. It was interesting to read just now that he did have a loan spell with Charlton. That was a real, (laughs) did he play there moment? Yeah, I had no idea he played over on these
0: shores. That's amazing. Red Bulls have given up five and here it's in off the post. Rod Bainey,
3: a beautiful service from Safir Tider. Go!
0: Half time and a little bit of a history lesson. Mm. I wanted to just quickly pick up on the word soccer and where it came from. Do you know, Ben? I don't know. So it came out of the slang use of the word association with younger players adding er. Uh. To most things so if you surfed you were a surfer okay. or if you played golf you were a golfer if you played association football you were an a-, a soccer, and that later became shortened to soccer
1: ah that's, that's interesting well mm. done for finding that
0: thank you very much and i thought this would stem an interesting discussion into the language of soccer Uh, Americans phrase things in different ways Uh, they have different terminology to do with the beautiful game and I thought some of these terms are in my mind rubbish some of them should absolutely replace the vernacular that we have in this country I think they're brilliant Mm. so the first term is their term for nil nil which is a shutout
1: I think that's brilliant yeah I I I like that. And actually, I'm pretty sure I've heard that on these shores as well. Um, so think- if it's come from America, then great. More of those, please. Shutout makes perfect sense to me.
0: Because a nil-nil draw, a goalless draw, it just mm. I mean, we just we don't know how to how to phrase these things. And shutout, you know, you've, you've stopped the opposition
1: scoring. You've, you've kept your goal intact. I think it's I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, shut is the opposite of open, right? So it rather is. than the goal being open, it's been shut. Um, Absolutely. Go MLS. And then the second one, winningest. No. What, no? What's that? I, I read that once. What, what do they even
0: mean by that? The team that's won the most times or the individual that's won the most times. I think it's genius because no. although it's not a word and it's made up, it should be a word because how what do we say in this country the team slash individual with most wins like is there another way of saying it
1: ah uh, most decorated i mean that's that's so long yeah that i suppose that that's a little bit s isn't it um wi- no winning winningest sounds horrible so what would, I think you, say? Sounds right. would you say right michael phelps is the most
0: winningest Olympics. no it negates the the need for using most so michael phelps is the winningest athlete in, in olympics history Wait,
1: no it's making no? my skin crawl no <laughs> i don't like that at all
0: i like it okay i'm doffing my cap to you the mls next one which i do find absolutely bizarre is for header i gather they say headshot which is no like a sniper but no, a no no
1: no, no 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 don't like that at all um is it a I, foot shot from outside the area I, I suppose header is a little bit weird because you don't call it, uh, it by that token a shot should just be a footer but headers and footers we tend to save for like microsoft word documents don't we yeah we do in the UK. this is true um this is so true no a headshot that's not that's not not reason. having that no not, not having, having that. that
0: what would i mean if i said riding the pine then riding the
1: pine is that that's really difficult is that when you go you go up for a header on someone's shoulders that's an interesting idea
0: you ride no, their not.
1: spine <laughs> ride the spine riding the spine <laughs>
0: <laughs> no it's it's if you sit or remain on the bench throughout the game so you're riding the pine you're riding the,
1: the pine
0: okay yeah i i suppose we I don't quite...
1: really have something for that
0: do we I don't think we have the necessity to to talk about a player remaining on the bench for the entire game. But if we did, no. yeah, riding the pine,
1: I think we're gonna we're gonna make that make that a thing. Riding the pine, yeah, I like that. I suppose the the sort of Federico Makeda type would have been riding the pine for most of his career. Yeah. I can get on board with that. Yeah, good. Uh, and then steal for a tackle, no. That's so basketball. I don't like that at all. I suppose the only thing you could say is, would a steal incorporate interceptions as well as tackles? Yeah, I think, aren't they largely the same thing? Mm, no, I'd say a tackle has some sort of impact about it, whereas an interception is like a loose ball or you latch oh, onto I it think, like, before someone out, Yeah, cut out the
0: pass. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good point. But also tackle, historically, is is
1: is fishing or... Your willy yeah. So. That is that is true. Yeah, we've had a lot of that in this episode so far, haven't we? I, I'm we not have. sure about steel because I think steel implies that something belonged to you,
0: and well, I think we did
1: belong to. We're you. all that in shared true. shared ownership of the ball for that moment no, in time. I, I think in that moment at the time they did have possession of the ball, but th- it was only temporary. I, I, f- I think if the if the player visited the MLS headquarters, and went into the locked cupboard and took the ball home with them, then that would legitimately be a steal. Otherwise, okay. I'm quite happy yeah. to call it a tackle. Good. Okay,
0: understood. And then guard for Mark. Ooh. I'm uncomfortable with this one, simply because guard is implying that you're, kind of, you're on their side and you're trying to mm. look after them. In a sense, I, but you're actually you're actually trying to uh, take them out of the game. In a sense,
1: I think I quite like that because I, I suppose you are guarding against them threatening your goal, and yet to mark, what does that actually mean?
0: Other than give them a judgment on how well they've done in attack, yeah,
1: or, or leave an indelible mark on their their future. Uh, this is very true, I, and so I don't we're, we're think happy, it means
0: either of those. So, so you're happy to go with with guard.
1: Yeah, the only thing I would say, is I, wouldn't, I wouldn't describe, I wouldn't describe a, a striker like a Yanag or as a guardsman, whereas I could That's describe true. him as a marksman. That was that would be my only concern. But I do quite like guard. Yeah, God bless America. The only thing I was going to bring up after is obviously soccer, is what is called out in America the MLS. One thing I couldn't help but notice, I was pointed towards a tweet about this. More than half of the teams that currently play in the MLS have the initials FC in their name.
0: Yeah, that is a bit bizarre. I'm not sure I really understand that. As we said, soccer is an abbreviation for association football. And so it's a nickname for football. And so... I think they can formally have football in their name, but still call it soccer. Interesting (laughs) one, though. Perhaps a (laughs) dose of hypocrisy.
1: (laughs) Centre of midfield, Ben. Well, it's someone that you might know from his days at Burnley, it's Chris McCann.
0: Chris McCann
1: yeah. oh, I, I see him more of a, as a Coventry City player Oh that's so you That's ridiculous <laughs> That is ridiculous He played 268 games for Burnley Probably like almost as many At Coventry on loan <laughs> No that's crazy I mean he played seven times in the Premier League For Burnley um, A neat and tidy footballer With a decent left footed pass But also prepared to get stuck in what I would say though, not the most glamorous player, very Burnley. Um, I, I imagine when Chris McCann went to the MLS, there wasn't quite the same sort of media hype that David Beckham got on his arrival. Uh, he'd come from Home Farm in Dublin, that was his youth setup, and it had produced others like Richard Dunn and Ian Hart in the past. Um, very odd logo on a side point, Home Farm in Dublin. It's a, a farmer sowing seeds in what can only be described as a duck yellow hazmat suit. So I don't know why that's a thing, but um, perhaps his time there uh, convinced him that a future move to America was required. The MLS is an ever expanding franchise rather than having promotion and relegation. In fact, it will have grown from 10 to 29 teams by the 2023 season And one such new joiner came in 2017, and this was Atlanta United. The team was set up by the owner of American football side, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, And obviously, once it had been set up, they had to go about compiling a team, presumably under the guidance of their manager, Gerardo Martino. And it must be said, they compiled a very V11 roster. It was incredibly random. Chris McCann... Tyrone Mears, Kenwin Jones and Brad Guzan would line up for Atlanta in their inaugural match. Um, And McCann would play a fairly key role, often off the bench in that first season. But um, particularly the following season, he really caught the eye. This was in 2018. It was just Atlanta's second season in their history, of course, and they won the MLS Cup playoff game against Portland Timbers, having finished second in their conference. Essentially how it works, there's a league system and a little bit like in American football, there's a Super Bowl-esque MLS Cup playoffs. Atlanta, in their second ever season, won it, which was incredibly impressive. McCann would be a sub in the final, coming on for the final seconds to close out the game. What he did best at Burnley, Arthur, I'm sure you'll agree. So an incredible achievement, um, but I, I, one thing I do say is that Atlanta United fans, as much as I sort of love the idea of this new club and, and I'm sure they relish their success, they do have a little way to go when it comes to their chanting. Let's listen to this clip. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, what is he hitting? It is, uh, oh, it's making no noise whatsoever. Um, like uh, a tub of Haribo. It is like a tub of Haribo. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, you better watch your mouth or we'll stomp you out. Doesn't feel like it belongs on the terraces of a football match, but um, good for Atlanta. They're a new team. They're still doing well, actually. So exciting to be a part of that new beginning. And Chris McCann certainly was.
0: Hi guys, Arthur here. I'm on editing duty this week, and while searching for Ben's Atlanta chanting video, I came across this absolute gem too. Fight and win! Fight and win! Come on Seattle! Come on Seattle! Seattle! Now back to the action. Sorry. It's me again. I'm also intrigued to hear that Kenwin Jones played in the MLS. I had absolutely no idea about that. I've seen he scored two goals in 17 games, Mm. which is not that good for a striker of Jones's pedigree, I would say.
1: No. Uh, Again, it was sort of the tail end of his career, wasn't it, really? But I have caught a glance at who the other centre midfielder is, and I think this is a player who didn't go to the MLS at the tail end of
0: their career. Is that right? That's completely correct. It's Chris Birchall. Yes, Chrissy, Chrissy.
1: A a double Chris
0: in the midfield. A Chris tandem, I think, uh, (laughs) it's going to be pretty vital for this eleven going forward. Having forged a career with local club Port Vale, uh, Chris Birchall really came to the world's attention by playing at the 2006 World Cup for Trinidad and Tobago, which included a game against England. Uh, Although he was born in England, he was eligible for that country because his mother was born in the port of Spain. He was first made aware of the interest in him by Trinidad and Tobago international centre-back Dennis Lawrence, who you may remember for being something like six foot ten. He's absolutely enormous. (laughs) Um, and And he walked up to him during a game between Port Vale and Wrexham, who was Lawrence's side at the time, saying... I hear you got some Trini blood in you. And, uh, <laughs> a, and that was that, really. He became a Trinidad and Tobago international. Uh, when asked by the press in Trinidad and Tobago why he qualified to play for them, he replied, Mimum. And this memorable response gave rise to his soccer warrior nickname that was Mimum. That's uh, so random. And he played a massive role in actually getting them to that 2006 World Cup. He scored an absolutely stunning goal from long range against Bahrain in their qualifying playoff. And then at the World Cup, he did himself no disgrace by playing admirably against the likes of Gerrard, Lampard, Beckham in that World Cup. Upon international retirement, he said, never did I think I would be accepted in the manner I was The support I've received over the years has been phenomenal. I've always tried to give 100% on the pitch, give my all for my nation whenever called upon, and wear the shirt with pride as I knew how many people would die for my opportunity. But hey, this pod is about the MLS. And that is where Chris found himself in 2009. And he actually made his debut replacing David Beckham for LA Galaxy as a substitute in the 70th minute against New York Red Bulls what a debut to make and this was a player who as you say joined the MLS at the peak of his powers he was a talented centre midfielder with an eye for a pass and after a not particularly successful spell at Coventry City he arrived in the MLS at just 25 years old so very much with his career ahead of him and he seemed to have landed on his feet. He enjoyed his football. He enjoyed living out in L.A. where he struck up a friendship with another exiled Port Vale fan. Speaking in a BBC interview in 2011, he said, When I first moved here, our media guy got a call saying Robbie Williams had asked for my number and I was speechless. He'd seen a friendly we played against Barcelona. And a couple of days later, I was at his house kicking a football around. <laughs> so, That's um, crazy. There he is, making friends in, uh, in L.A., and he went on to make over 60 appearances for Galaxy in two years. Upon the ending of his contract, it was rumoured that he would re-sign for a then cash strapped Port Vale with Birchall willing to play for free. Uh, however, Vale were under a transfer embargo at the time. And so an agreement was unable to be reached and he decided to remain in the MLS with Columbus Crew. His stay at Columbus was fairly brief. He wasn't that happy at the lack of playing time. And so he did finally make that romantic return to Port Vale, uh, where he'd enjoy 75 appearances, promotion, consolidation in the top 10 of League One. Port Vale's a club that remained pretty close to his heart. He said, I came up through the ranks at Port Vale from the age of eight until I left the club at 22. I owe all the coaching to them. They nurtured me. And they really looked after me and had confidence in me. So he owed a lot to Port there. And it was great that he could see in the romantic conclusion to his career out there. But I thought it was really important to, to bring LA Galaxy into this 11 They're a club that really changed things massively by making that David Beckham signing, which was just absolutely unheard of, bringing a player that world-renowned, who was still playing pretty decent football, to the MLS. We obviously saw with his spells at at AC Milan and PSG after that time in the MLS, that he still was at the peak of his powers, really, and brought that sort of glitz and glamour to the MLS, which Mm -hmm. they hadn't really seen before.
1: Yeah, and I think Chris Birchall was an outlier in the sense that I don't think many players would manage to step out of Port Vale straight into the MLS and play regularly. Um, He was obviously a man of great talent, but... That's why I love this episode and I love this league. How eclectic to think that David Beckham was paired alongside Chris Birchall in the midfield. Um, LA Galaxy won the MLS Cup in that time. And there's this brilliant picture of the two of them, Beckham and Birchall, just holding the trophy together. That must be on his mantelpiece. I've noticed it's Chris Birchall's Twitter profile picture. So even now, that's just an incredible achievement for him. I can only think as well that it launched him onto other friendships with high profile players um, because I couldn't help but notice that in 2006, he also invested in a nightclub with Stoke City defender Andy Wilkinson. Very good. On the left side, another player that will ring bells with those into the Football League that's Giles Barnes. Giles! Was he the youngest player in Derby's history? It, it was something like that. I mean, he won their Young Player of the Year award in 06-07, having played 39 league games for them and scored eight goals. And that was aged just 18. So we're talking about a real wonder kid here. Tall, physical, quick. He could play out wide or through the middle. And it, it seemed like he was destined to tear up the top division. He would actually, in the end, suffer from a number of injuries. He would have a number of loan moves, which failed. uh, And he would end up playing in the MLS, aged just 23. So again, this is another player who's arrived in America, perhaps a little bit before others might expect him to. It was the MLS that really revitalised his career. And for Giles Barnes, anyway, became the foundation of his successful life as a footballer. Um, He would move to the Houston Dynamo, a team nicknamed the Orange Crush. And the Dynamo were, by all accounts, not that great during that time period, but it allowed Giles Barnes to get confidence and to absolutely thrive. Uh, He won their MVP award in 2014, uh, and he wrapped up 34 goals across four full seasons, um, ending up playing for the jamaica national team as well he said it's very appealing to a lot of people the mls i think everyone realizes what this league has got in potential it's got the potential to blow up beyond what some people can even imagine and when it does that's when the money will come um so again another footballer who's got a really positive outlook on playing football out in america and in many ways it, it made him uh, it, it prolonged his career and it it catapulted him again into competitive football he played a further two seasons in the MLS one with the Vancouver Whitecaps uh, and one with Orlando City Uh, and again neither team were particularly successful while Giles was there he became a bit of a sort of mid-table journeyman if you like in the MLS but certainly amongst each roster Barnes was a key part of it I think MLS goal machine means lots of great commentary is out there about giles barnes and mls commentary is in many ways one of the things we think of as brits when we think of american soccer um so i thought i'd play this clip just to, to get that nostalgia going and show you what i mean looks
0: like barnes will take it he's gonna go right boot
3: go
1: It's so good. I just wish Martin Tyler would do more of that on Super Sunday. It sounded like that commentator was about to choke when he did it. And of course, it, yeah. it brings back memories of me of that famous John Risa goal with release yeah. the Kraken. Of um, course. Yeah. I, I saw actually an interesting uh, one for a
0: Carlos Mela goal as well. That was the, go- the commentator basically did a natural progression from, like, Vela was doing some brilliant dribbling for LA Galaxy, and he got into the box and rounded the goalkeeper and the commentator was like, Vela, 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 Vela,
1: Vela, That kind of thing. You're like, oh my I love it. I love it. I just wish our commentary over here in the UK had as much character. But yeah, Giles Barnes, welcome to the 11. The MLS all sorts needs you on the left side of midfield. It really does. And on the other side of the pitch is Lloyd Sam. <laughs> <laughs> did you know he played out there? I actually did. Um, I I know he played for Leeds, and then I thought he, he might have gone to the Galaxy as well. No, he wasn't LA Galaxy. Uh, in this country,
0: it was predominantly actually Charlton and okay. then Leeds. We've done a bit of a me there. I have. I picked out <laughs> <up> the weird <laughs> one. Yeah, because he he played a hun- over a hundred times for Charlton, and for Leeds it was a couple of not particularly successful seasons. Um, at Charlton he was an England under twenty international. Uh, he got one cap and one goal, uh, and was briefly a Premier League player before relegation consigned him to the Championship and League One. He was a player with a varied set of skills. He regularly used his dribbling ability to get in behind left backs and create chances for others. Uh, And he also had a bit of a penchant for cutting inside. Uh, He certainly created more goals than he scored, I would say. His international career was a bit bizarre. Uh, There were lengthy talks between the Ghanaian officials and the English FA in 2011 about him switching nationality to the country of his parents' birth. Uh, And this eventually led to just one cap in 2015 as a sub in a friendly against Canada. I can't help but feel they could have got a bit more out of Lloyd Sam <laughs> yeah. at Ghana. I remember him being quite an exciting winger. Very much an exciting winger. And that's the reason why his arrival across the pond after his disappointing spell at Leeds was so exciting for the MLS. He had seven MLS seasons in all. I'm going to give you the stats here. 149 appearances, 10,141 minutes, 25 goals. 34 assists, a solid output, I would say, for a quality player. And he began that MLS career at the New York Red Bulls again. Uh, He scored a goal in a 5-1 win to clinch the 2013 Supporters' Shield. And that was the first major title for the New York Red Bulls. But he had a productive time there before he was sold to DC United. Much to the surprise of both the player and supporters alike, actually, initially, Lloyd Sam was pretty gutted about it. But in reality, the powers that be knew that he still had a lot to offer, but was 31. And his sale would both free up a designated player space and allocation money. Just to go over a bit of that terminology for British listeners, the designated player rule Uh, Nicknamed now the Beckham rule, means that teams can sign up to three players that would be considered outside their salary cap. And they can do that either by offering the player higher wages or by paying a transfer fee for the player. It was adopted ahead of the 2007 MLS season, and it basically enables MLS teams to compete for star players in international football and general and targeted allocation money are basically available to each club in addition to the salary cap uh, and designed to kind of, I guess, even up competition over time. So teams can essentially get allocation money for perhaps not making the postseason or for not achieving success. So it's basically, along with the draft system, a way of, of making sure that the clubs that aren't doing so well could maybe do well in the future. And for DC United... I think that's a club that many people know for giving Freddie Adu at 14 years old his first taste of the MLS. Of course. You remember good old Freddie?
1: Of course I do. How could you forget Freddie?
0: It was undoubtedly a good signing for them, not least as they signed one of their tormentors in chief. He'd scored five of his MLS goals in 13 appearances against DC United. And Jason Anderson wrote... United needed more creativity opposite Patrick Nyarko, And Sam helped turn United's attack from Moribund into the highest scoring group in the league from mid-August onwards. He contributed three goals and six assists in the 13 games he played in that first season. And Sam said of his time at DC United, I was the one that once I got to DC United as a player, I would basically take the team talks. He took on this kind of leadership role in the group, and propelled them on to good things. But despite that first season, the second season wasn't as successful for either Sam or the team, and he was released in the summer. And he's now another interesting American term, colour analyst at Charlotte Football Club. Now, that's mm. an American way, I believe, of saying essentially a, a, a kind of pundit of sorts. Well, I guess they're there to provide colour to the to the discussion quite a weird
1: <laughs> phrasing I that's think. another really weird bit of phrasing like um, riding the pines I really fondly remember just going back to DC United when Wayne Rooney moved there of course thinking what a nice kit they had because you don't see many teams in world football that have a home kit that's black yeah. and I thought that was kind of cool um uh, there's a lot of black and navy blue kits in the MLS that you don't really get over here it's a stylish number it's pretty minimalist throughout MLS history the kind of designs of kits and and almost over branding of them I think has been fascinating and certainly if you're a kit collector I think the MLS must be quite high on the list of kits you'd want to to try and collect I think
0: up there with my favourite is probably the Seattle Sounders kit. Yes, I think yeah. Blue and green, I think works really well as a kit. Obviously, I have fond memories of seeing a strike force of Oberfemi Martins and Clint Dempsey actually <laughs> banging them in for Seattle Sounders. Also, in my research, I got incredibly excited when I thought for one brilliant moment that Lloyd Sam had written a book called Mr. Puskins. (laughs) (laughs) But devastating, I found out that was written by Sam Lloyd. Oh, no!
1: (laughs) Who's playing behind the striker? Yeah, in a sort of central attacking midfield role today, we have Anders Limpar. Okay. No, I don't think I know that. You don't recognise the name? Oh, man. Uh, He was a bit of a hotshot in the 90s, actually. There are Anders Limpar. Um, But he signed for Colorado Rapids in 1999 and it was a bit of a graveyard shift for him after a successful career. um, He played most notably in the Premier League, a quick, sparky player with an eye for a pass. He he played for Arsenal between 90 and 94 and Everton between 94 and 97. And during that time, he'd won Sweden's best footballer of the year award. So quite a high calibre player. Um, probably before the time of someone like that going over to the MLS and it being big news, but certainly someone that was gracing the shores and and adding to the profile of the league. He was 33 when he joined the Rapids, um, but showed every bit of his class, converted from a winger to a central midfield position uh, because of the fact that his pace had gone, essentially. Uh, In 36 league games, he scored three goals and registered 15 assists for the Rapids, Uh, And that was despite a spate of injuries. He added creative flair and experience to the team. He managed to secure the best assist per game ratio in Rapids history. Uh, And one of those assists was for probably the most incredible goal I've seen in research for the eleven. It was a legendary bicycle kick from Marcelo Balboa against the Columbus Crew in 2000. Now, obviously, being a podcast, we don't have the benefit of the visual here. But I really do urge you to check this one out. It's an astounding goal. I wouldn't be surprised if Limpar added somewhat to the Rapids dressing room as well during that time. He was known as a prankster at Arsenal. And people used to keep well clear of him on away trips for some of the things that he would do. But the world got its own back when he was famously tricked into thinking he'd travelled two years into the future. What? I know. This is really bizarre, and there's a YouTube video of this playing out, um, but it was on Scandinavian television. He was basically accosted at the airport by scientists um, and told that they had found a mysterious way to propel people two years into the future. He boarded a flight, the plane nosedived and then recovered to add to the drama. And when he arrived at the airport, he was greeted by a congratulatory military officer who shook his hand and said, well done for being part of this experiment. We're now two years in the future. (laughs) He was told Norway had won the World Cup, which was somewhat to his bemusement and annoyance. And then to seal the deal for this prank, they introduced his girlfriend at the other airport and rather than the puppy that they'd just bought they brought in a much larger older dog to give the <laughs> illusion that he'd grown up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is incredible <laughs> um oh, when limpar was eventually told that he'd been trans- not been transported into the future he did react positively to this prank um but Good. what an ultimate way to get your own back on someone
0: it's quite an extreme length to go to to nosedive a plane. I know to uh, to to convince him that he's gone into the future.
1: It's very like Ant and Depp's Saturday Night Takeaway on steroids, isn't it? Um, yeah. But Anders Limpar will always be famous for being part of that prank, also for being a great footballer. Perhaps not so famous for his spell in the MLS, but hopefully this appearance in the MLS All Sorts Eleven will raise that profile. Yeah, frankly,
0: I'm quite shocked that i i haven't heard of him and i i think um perhaps it displays an incredible blind spot for 90s football that i need to remedy very quickly but i'm reading that um he hit a memorable 50 yard reverse pass that led to an everton breakaway that apparently was described as pass of the match he seems an absolute assist machine and with incredible vision so i'm gonna have to Spend a couple of hours in a bit of a YouTube hole watching Anders Limpar's best bits, I think. And up front, on his own, with support from Anders Limpar's incisive passing, is Kai Kamara. (laughs) I'm so
1: glad he's in an eleven. Love that.
0: Now, Now, this is why I mentioned earlier that we may pick some of the MLS greats, because Kamara is, to all intents and purposes, a bona fide MLS legend. Uh, He's the fifth all-time MLS top scorer with 130 goals and 47 assists in 359 appearances after making his debut in 2006. He's featured for a number of clubs, including Sporting Kansas City, Columbus Crew, Vancouver Whitecaps, New England Revolution, and currently Montreal. He arrived in the US from war-torn Sierra Leone as a refugee, having played for the mighty Calon FC when he was younger. And as I say, he now plays for Montreal. And a week ago, he scored his first goal for them, which meant he achieved the incredible feat of scoring for nine different MLS sides. He really is Mr. MLS. And he's made a career out of terrorising MLS defences with his elite athleticism, his dominant aerial ability and his superlative one-touch finishing. And yes, that is, quote, from the MLS website. They really love him. They absolutely <laughs> love him. One interesting incident I, I saw was while he was playing for New England, he got a yellow card for twerking in celebration of a goal. What? <laughs> so you see him, and he just sort of he sort of leans over and, and <laughs> sort of thrusts his bum out. And the referee then... Uh, and gives him a yellow card. I thought it was quite quite nice showmanship. That is insane. I I can't believe that. Mental. He's definitely known over here in the UK for his spell with Norwich in the Premier League. He had an 11-game loan spell during which he became a fan favourite. Comedian and fan Andy Palmer wrote a song about him called Heart-Shaped Hands. And I absolutely love this song. I actually can't find a clip online to play you, but some of the lyrics include, Who's got millions of fans? Kai Kamara. (laughs) He he comes from Sierra (laughs) Leone. He's got magic tricks up his his sleeve. sleeve. (laughs) And I don't want him ever to leave. (laughs) Honestly, the guy I think has written a genius song, but I think it shows from a fan's perspective what an impression he made in just 11 games on loan. He he showed such endeavour with running for lost causes. He got a goal in only his second game. And yeah, the goals dried up, but the Norwich fans really do hold him in very, very high regard.
1: Yeah, he reminds me of kind of Diomarchi Mbocani in the sense that he's kind of like a legend, but no one's quite sure why. Um, It's his kind of gangly physique and the the fact that he kind of toils defences. But a character, I mean, I'm just reading all these articles. He's been fined for wearing the wrong socks. You know he was booked for that twerk celebration? He was also booked for changing his shorts mid-game. I I don't know how he's found himself in all these situations, Mr. MLS. Classic Mr. MLS. I also love the
0: complexity of some of the deals that he's undergone in his career. When he signed for New England, um, the deal was as such. Columbus Crew received... A first round pick in the 2017 MLS Superdraft, a second round pick in the 2018 MLS Superdraft, an international roster slot for the 2016 season, general allocation money, targeted allocation money, and a percentage of any fee received should New England transfer Kamara to a club outside the MLS.
1: Does that make sense? Because <laughs> that's that's really...
0: Yeah, yeah, got it. <laughs> Honestly. So I thought it was very important to draw attention to one of the very best players in MLS history, simply because... He was just such an interesting character and a potent force up front in this eleven.
3: Virgil, chance with the Galaxy in front. Bang.
0: It's time to decide that last slot in today's eleven. It's centre-back and it's up for grabs. We have a couple of nominations. First up, a nomination from MLS Now, a podcast that discusses all things MLS, all of the teams, all of the matches. Please do tune in to check out their content. They've sent in this nomination.
3: Hey, guys, Gavin here from MLS Now podcast. Uh, Thanks so much for inviting me to submit a clip. I mean, I really like the idea of the segment. Uh, So let me just get straight into it. I am walking my dog, so sorry if you hear a bit of background noise uh my apologies there but yeah so so my nostalgic center back that i want to submit is seattle sounders and uh inter miami former center back roman torres the panamanian center back man was he so frustrating to play against for mls teams he really gives me some some great nostalgia great performances in mls cup final 2016 and 2019 for seattle sounders uh two big wins for them he was a big part of those matches also played a lot for the panamanian national team over 100 caps so so really good center back and whenever i think of of mls center backs he's one that pops in my mind just so consistently good so hard to play against and he's a more recent one uh moved to seattle in 2015 got traded to inter miami in 2020 before returning back to seattle later that year because of a failed trade to to enter Miami where it just didn't work out so yeah I really like this segment can't wait to listen
0: to the pod thanks guys yeah great pick I actually I think I remember him from from England playing against Panama being one of their most renowned players really and thinking yeah he's a pretty good centre-back and didn't he play for
1: Panama until he was like 38 or something he's got an incredibly iconic look Um, And I was vaguely aware he played his football in the MLS, but exactly the sort of player that needs to play alongside Zubar in this All Sorts eleven. Thank you so much for that nomination. Uh, And another one has come in from Jessica Charman. Uh, Jessica is the Radio Colour commentator on WFNZ, uh, focusing on Charlotte FC, one of the newer teams in the MLS. Uh, She's also a Reading FC fan, so great to get her involved. Does that mean she therefore works
0: with Lloyd Sam? Because I think he's associated with Charlotte FC. I don't maybe, know, mate. Maybe she can, get, she can get a nomination from Lloyd as
1: well. <laughs> Do check out her page on Twitter, Jess Talks Footy. Uh, and for now, a nomination for a centre-back.
2: In the seven years or so since I started following MLS, there have been very few centre-backs that have both inspired me in moments, but also infuriated me so incredibly much. Argentine Leandro Gonzalo Perez both impressed and left me pulling my hair out every second during his play in MLS in the three years he spent with Atlanta United and into Miami. In 150 regular and playoff matches, Gonzalo Perez scored five times, had 11 assists, won countless duels, and plenty of nose bleeding runs, loved to wind up from the back, get out of position. Oh, and of course, won an MLS cup with Atlanta United. So yeah, Pretty incredible accolades for a centre-back, but he also picked up a staggering 54 yellow cards. I'm all for centre-backs getting stuck in, committing smart fouls, it's part of their job, but with this player, it's the decision-making that often causes these yellow cards. Descent, cheap fouls, poor decisions, just shocking, really. Death, taxes, and an LGP yellow card. As I said, an incredible player, loads of talent, but equally infuriating.
1: Do you know what? I don't, I can't say I know that player, but I think that's exactly the sort of player that should be in this eleven. So delighted that they're in the poll, Arthur.
0: Absolutely. And joining those two in the poll will be Darren O'Day.
1: (laughs) He played for Reading.
0: (laughs) He did indeed. He was club captain at Toronto FC, succeeded, interestingly, by Stephen Caldwell and preceded by Torsten Frings. Mm. They've had some very interesting players there. Uh, Surely also one of the most niche players out there to have a Wikipedia playing style section. Uh, (laughs) On that section... (laughs) On that section, it says that O'Day's manager at Toronto FC, Paul Mariner, described him as a different specimen with fantastic (coughs) habits...
1: What does that mean? What does that know. mean? A it's different specimen. Bizarre.
0: It's completely bizarre. And the person who's put together his Wikipedia page, thank you, by the way, whoever you are, because you know, you're great. Um, but they do use a lot of quote marks for like really random like <laughs> words. So they'll be like, he had he displayed very good attributes in the
1: comments. Quote unquote. Wink <laughs> <Bizarre>. wink, <laughs> <Bizarre>. nudge, nudge. <laughs>
0: He arrived in Toronto with an impressive resume of clubs, including Celtic and three championship clubs that did include the mighty Reading. And he had 19 caps for the the Republic of Ireland that made him major league soccer's highest paid non designated player. Uh, And that meant that despite the fact that he was impressive at the heart of defense for Toronto, as they fought near the bottom of the league, his high salary meant that Toronto just couldn't really afford to keep him after that first
1: season. So he headed off to Ukraine and the rest is history. Brilliant. Fantastic. And just to complete that four, I've gone for oh, a Gucci on Yewu. Oh, he was one of the one of the best US defenders. I yeah. remember a brief stint at Newcastle, I think. I thought it would be good to get an American in there. Um, a six foot four Amazonian, imposing, super athletic <laughs> yeah. centre. Amazonian Ben, I've got an issue with this. I believe that's <laughs> yeah. that's like that's a term used to describe like women, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. He's as big as the Amazon Arthur. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, he was built like a second row uh, and a, a US international, like you say. Um, but considering his level, I would say is very MLS-y. It surprised me to find out that he joined the MLS so late. He never played in there when he was younger. Rather, he played for Mets, Standard Liège, Newcastle United, where he had an ill-fated partnership with Titus Bramble, Milan, um, but he didn't play a single game there, Sporting Lisbon. Um, but then it was in. eventually in 2017, he was 34 years old, where he joined MLS side, the Philadelphia Union. He was thought to bring experience to the dressing room and perhaps play the every other game, but he ended up being a, a stalwart of the side. 22 games played, um, but they did miss out on the end of season playoffs. So I actually feel like Aguchi Oniewu could have benefited from spending a longer time in the MLS. We know it's a super competitive league, um, he wouldn't have taken up any foreign cap space so i I feel like he would have been a great signing earlier in his career um but that wasn't how it panned out for him and I suppose he got to spend time in in Newcastle and Lisbon and Milan he probably had a pretty good life really like that pick and and
0: and as you say I, I feel like because we are a British podcast, we have obviously focused on international players in this 11 quite a lot. And it's very good to, to ensure that obviously it is representative, this 11, of the country in which the league sits. And so I, I feel like my vote on Twitter will be
1: for Onyewu. Oh, thank you. At 11 pods, if you want to vote like Arthur, the word, not the number, you decide the final centre back in our MLS All Sorts 11.
0: On the bench, just one name that I thought needed to be brought up, and it's Brit Dom Dwyer.
1: Oh, he was in the MLS pretty much his whole career, wasn't he? He was, and a former Norwich City
0: youth player, I just felt, seeing as he spent such an an enormous amount of time with clubs, including Sporting Kansas City and Orlando City, scoring 85 goals for them combined. Phenomenal output for the Stainsborn striker. And I, I thought he needed to be referred to, especially as
1: he is a Brit who has played four times for the US. Love that. I wanted to get in a player who played for the Portland Timbers. Um, in case you don't know, Arthur, their goal celebration is pretty iconic. They have a big lumberjack who uses a chainsaw to cut a log to celebrate each goal. Um, And someone who would have been part of that, or party to it at least, was Liam Ridgewell, who played for Portland for a number of years. Um, Another Brit, Martin Patterson, uh, who was also a Burnley player. He played for Orlando City for a bit. I thought they could have been good mentions, but they're on the bench. Very
0: good picks. And to run you through our team, in goal we have Tim Melia. At left back, Lee Young-Pyo centre-back Ronald Zubar along with A Choice of Yours, at right-back Rod Fanny, in centre midfield Chris Birchall and Chris McCann, at right midfield Lloyd Sam, at left midfield Giles Barnes, in attacking midfield Anders Limpar and up front Kai Kamara.
1: Thank you for listening.
0: I just wanted to mention to you that um, the MLS 2022 Super Draft, the yeah. first pick, was Ben Bender. <laughs> <laughs>